we actually need to be happy first, and then we do great work, and then the big success follows. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want and you absolutely are here to serve the world and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you and every single week we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way to help you be more successful to help you be the truest expression of you my name is Kathy Heller I'm so glad that you're here let's dive in Thanks to NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to Honey. Giving holiday gifts is great. Overspending is definitely not. Why spend more than you have to? Honey makes finding the lowest price easy. Honey finds the best deals online. It's free and easy to use. Shop with confidence at joinhoney.com slash dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you had such a good weekend. It's been so good, so fun. Um, We did a retreat. We're actually still doing a retreat. It finishes up tonight. If you're listening to this Monday, it started Saturday night. The women flew in from all over Austin and Vegas and San Francisco and St. Louis. And it's just so cool to meet some of you in person and to spend two and a half days doing this really deep, beautiful work. And I just feel so grateful to get to connect with you guys. It's just awesome. Um, in fact, I want to do another retreat. I said to Emma, my producer, like before it even began, but then like in the first minutes and the second hour and the fourth hour, I just kept turning to her saying, this is the funnest thing I do. This is so enriching and it's so good. And I love it so much. We had a dinner Saturday night. If you guys are following me on Instagram, you probably saw some of those photos. We went to Catch in West LA. I took all the women out. My treat, beautiful dinner, such a beautiful restaurant. It was so nice for everyone to get to know each other. And then on Sunday, everyone came to my home and we spent all day here yesterday really just doing the inner work, you know, every single thing in our life, all of it everything, our relationship with ourselves, the relationship we have with our spouse, with our kids, what we're doing for work, what we chose to wear today. And everything is a result of the things we believe, you know, and what we believe dictates the habits and dictates the things that we choose to do, the actions we take. And so um, Sunday, yesterday was day one, like the full first day of the retreat. And we spend the whole time doing these exercises to get us in touch with what we really want, what we really desire, and what's holding us back. What narrative are we still telling ourselves, and where does it come from? And we have to have so much compassion for ourselves because we were all kids at one point who went through a lot. And so we sort of do this like Marie Kondo where we open the door to some of that and we take some of it out of the closet and look at it. And it takes a lot of courage. And I was just so impressed with how these women come together and create such a safe, beautiful space to just see each other and give each other so much support. And then uh, today is the second day of the retreat where we are going to do a full deep dive on what are the building blocks now to take this thing that you were born to give to the world and how do you make it and how do you put it out there and who are you serving and how do you best serve them and how do you price it and how best to really make it so it works effortlessly. I think that oftentimes we make things harder than they need to be. I think that what we realize is that the more that we're around successful people and the more that we see what works, 
we don't have to make it as hard and as complicated as we think it is. I think so much of it is like giving ourselves permission, right? To just take the seat at the table. And then there are certain strategies that actually allow us to show up and have empathy for other people. So I'm really excited to do that business dive today with everybody at the retreat. And um, if you're following along on Instagram, you'll probably see more photos. You can find me at kathy.heller if you want to see more of what's going on at the retreat. All right, you guys. Well, my book is coming out next week. I can't believe I can say those words. My book is coming out next week. It comes out next Tuesday, the 12th. So this week is the biggest week for us. It means so much for us. It means so much for me. It means so much for this work that I'm doing. If you believe in me, if you believe in this work, if you want to get a book that is really going to speak to your soul, if you want to give that book to somebody who you believe in, who you want to encourage, please buy the book this week. If you already bought one copy, buy a second copy. If there's anyone you can think of who you want to give this message to, to share this with, to give them more of a sense of what's possible, please buy the book this week because it matters so much. You know, a lot of people are saying, why does it matter if you hit the New York Times bestsellers list? What not that some arbitrary like ego trip? What does it matter? And it's just really interesting. Everything today is an algorithm. And if the book hits the New York Times bestseller list, it means that the bookstores will actually carry more than one copy, which means that people will know about the book. And then it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where more people will buy the book because it is just featured. And so I would love for these stories to be told. I would love for Greg Franklin to be somebody that everybody's talking about. I would love for them to know that he had the courage to open his cheesecake shop, which is written about in the book. I would love for people to hear about Becky Scott and how she wrote this movie even after she had this injury and got fired. I would love people to hear about Brandy Moore who built her mobile bookshop on wheels and also to hear all of the lessons. This book is so helpful in bringing us home to ourselves and showing us what we actually can do. How do we do something about how we feel so that we can unbecome whatever is not serving us and really come back home to ourselves? So please go ahead and get the book. And what I'm going to do is because I've been loving this retreat so much, we are going to do another retreat in mid-December. And first of all, if you want more details about how you can come, we are just asking that people buy a chunk of books and we can tell you the pricing and all of that. So you can message me to find out more, but I'm also, I'm going to do a raffle for a retreat so that you can actually come on the retreat because it's so great and it's so worth it. And I did one in May and people usually spend a couple grand to be here. And I think it's such a cool prize. So if you do buy the two books, if you've bought the two books, um, then go ahead um, over to my Instagram today. I'm going to be posting um, a raffle so that you can enter to win a retreat. And I will give that away to somebody. Um, but if you want to be on the next retreat, it's really actually not such a big leap. Instead of paying the usual, all you have to do is buy a chunk of books. So if you want to find out more, come on over to my Instagram and DM me and we will get you in. Okay, and now let's talk about today's episode because it's so good. This week we have the incredible Neil Parisha joining us. He is a multi-bestselling author, two-time TED Talk speaker, blogger, podcaster, entrepreneur, and just all-around incredible human being. He's the creator of the Webby Award-winning blog, A Thousand Awesome Things, which led him to write The Book of Awesome, a number one international bestseller for 142 weeks straight. He then went on to write other amazing books like The Book of Even More Awesome, Awesome is Everywhere, The Happiness Equation, and his newest book is coming out tomorrow, and that is called You Are Awesome, How to Navigate Change, Wrestle with Failure, and Live an Intentional Life. It's such a beautiful book. I can't recommend it enough. It's not just going to inspire you, but it's packed with research-based strategies, tools, and lessons to move from thin-skinned to thick-skinned, failure-prone to failure-proof, and anxious to awesome. And in this episode, we're going to dive into all of the great stuff in his book. So make sure you pick up a copy of Neil's book, and you can also check out his great podcast, Three Books with Neil. Parisha, which was included in Apple's list of best of 2018 podcasts. In his show, he talks to the amazing human beings like Judy Bloom, David Sedaris, Emily McDowell, and Malcolm Gladwell. 
And he asked them about their three most formative books, and it leads to some really juicy conversations. We recorded the episode with me and Neil on video as well. So if you want to see the full unedited version of the interview, you can watch that on YouTube. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Neil is such a generous, talented, sweet, smart, inspiring person. I loved talking to him. It was such a blast. And I know you guys are going to love all of the wisdom he is about to share. So without further ado, please welcome the brilliant Neil Parisha. Neil, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Kathy, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So for my audience, I just want you to know, Neil is so delicious. He's just one of those people you like him immediately. And just to add a little sauce to that, I want to let you guys know, because my audience knows Emily. Emily McDowell, who's been on the show, you guys know she's a good friend of mine. She loves him. And Emily, you get the credit. Just wanted to make sure that you get a gold star because she introduced us. So you, we already all love you. Like you could leave now and we're all like, yay. <laughs> so Neil, okay. You have books, you have things to say. I want to get into all of that. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what even got you to begin the blog. Let's say, let's go up to there. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm the son of immigrants, mom from Kenya, dad from India, grew up just outside of Toronto, Canada. You know, it's like, it's like study really hard, then you get good grades. And if you're East Indian, like I'm, it's like, go be a doctor, go to a good school, buy a house, have kids. And so I'm in my late twenties. I'm kind of following the life plan. I'm not a doctor, but the rest of the stuff was coming true. I'm two years into the marriage and everything falls apart. In the span of a couple of weeks, my wife tells me she doesn't want to be married anymore, which was a total shock and I didn't see it coming. And then my best friend, Chris, at the same exact time, uh, he'd been battling mental illness for a long time and, and he didn't make it. He uh, took his own life just a few days after kind of this, this news on the divorce. And so I was a wreck, obviously. I'm trying to write a eulogy for Chris's funeral. I end up putting my house up for sale. I go to the courthouse to try to you know start to process this divorce. I actually lose 40 pounds due to stress and I'm in HR at Walmart. That's my job. And everybody at work is like, you look great. You know what I'm saying? Like the projection is that's good. I'm a total mess. And so I mentioned the immigrant parents is because my dad from India had always been filled with awe, awe for snow, awe for, you know, the, the fact that there's a mango in the grocery store. And so I channeled a little bit of my dad as I was going through that. And I started up a blog called 1000awesomethings.com just as a way to put a smile on my face every single day for a thousand straight weekdays. It started off as a tiny blog that no one reads, but it grew and grew and grew into a hundred million hit best blog in the world at the web piece two years in a row. And it spawned my first book in 2010 called the book of awesome, which is essentially just a stapled printout of the blog of all these simple pleasures. I, I wrote, was writing about wearing warm underwear from, from out of the dryer. I was writing about getting called up to the dinner buffet first at a wedding. As I was falling myself, I was clinging to these tiny little moments of joy that would make my day a little brighter and then blogging uh, a little essay about them every night. And you know, when I turned on the radio or the television or opened a newspaper, it was like such bad news, like it is today, like it always will be. So the instinct I had was just to type in how to start a blog into Google, click the I'm feeling lucky button. And that's why 10 minutes later, I came up with that name, 1000awesomethings.com. It just sounded small and it turned into a daily practice that helped me in two ways, really. One way was the looking for gratitudes and small pleasures, which by the way, fill most of our days, but we just don't notice them. We don't notice how awesome it is when you hit a string of green lights when you're late for work or whatever it is. But these are worth pausing on. So I, I started writing about them. But the second thing is journaling. There's a famous research study from the University of Texas uh, by two guys named Slatcher and Pennebaker. And they found that couples who journaled were 50% more likely to stay together in their romantic relationship. They've done studies with people with chronic neuromuscular pain. And if those patients can journal for six weeks, then at the six-month mark, doctors can reduce their pain medication by up to 50%. So kind of without me really realizing, I was doing a daily gratitude practice and a journaling practice, like literally writing and focusing on the other side of the pillow for like an hour because I was writing about it. Wow. How many years of the blog? 
I wrote that blog for four straight years from June 20th, 2008, all the way up to, I believe it was April 15th, 2012. I announced the number one thing live on like the national news by that time. It had grown and grown and grown. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm working a full-time job. I'm living alone for the first time. So I was still pretty broken. In fact, I was on the Today Show and Meredith Vieira looks at me and she's just like, so Neil, how do you teach all of America how to be happy like you? And I actually, honestly, Kathy felt like a fraud. I'm becoming the international spokesperson for this vague, nebulous word. Happiness? Come on. What does it even mean? So I end up thinking to myself, well, what am I good at? I told you I was in HR at Walmart. The HR thing is that when you don't know what you're doing, they give you something called like strengths finder. And I was like, oh, I'm East Indian. You know what I'm good at? Homework. I'm really good at homework. My parents always gave me extra. So I, I go to the library, start looking up happiness. <laughs> Turns out Aristotle said 2,000 years ago, happiness is the ultimate meaning and purpose of life. He's like, that's what we're here for. And now if you ask anybody, Kathy, what do they say? I just want my kids to be happy. I just want my – that's how we talk. And then I discover that in uh, 1996, two guys over in Pennsylvania named Martin Seligman and Mihal Mihale found a whole new discipline of research called positive psychology. And that really did change my life. And I started realizing that, hey, you know what? This, this soft, squishy concept of happiness is maybe something I could learn myself as a scientific discipline and something I could start teaching to others because I don't actually do anything. I just filter and disseminate. That's like all I do. I just explain other people's stuff in simple ways. Right, right. That's all you do. I'm mesmerized by everything. I often realize that the people who've experienced the most pain have this capacity to see other people, show up for other people, and therein lies, if they take it, there's a door to a tremendous amount of purpose. And you had the courage to find in that moment this way to wake up every day and breathe in and out, which led you to helping so many other people. So there was so much purpose. And so how did that sense of purpose over time start to affect you? I mean, it's been big. I, I love the, the Okinawan word, ikigai. Do you know that word? Yeah, you do. It just translates as the reason you get out of bed in the morning. And so for me, I started to develop the sense that, you know what? Maybe my purpose is to help people live a happy life, starting with me. So I'm living downtown. I have this newfound sense of purpose. I'm still working at Walmart all the time. I'm coming home. I'm starting to give some speeches. I'm starting to and then they have a seat. The book comes out again. It's like the book of even more awesome, book of holiday awesome, five calendars of awesome, the journal of awesome. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually, two years into that, I guess what? I meet someone else, Leslie. We start falling for each other. And so a year later, I ask her to move in with me. And a year after that, I asked her to marry me and get this. So we go on a honeymoon. And on the flight home from the honeymoon, she's sick. We're in the airport. She's looking for a place to lie down. She's looking for a little pharmacy. So we get on the plane. We take off. She goes to the tiny airplane bathroom at the front of the airplane. She comes back to our seats a couple minutes later. And she looks at me in the eyes. And she's like, Neil, I'm pregnant. And it suddenly hits me that maybe all this research and thinking I've been doing on the bigger word happiness could be something I could write down. So I ended up writing a 300-page love letter to my unborn child, and that becomes my last book called The Happiness Equation. That book is actually literally the letter I wrote to my son Hudson before he was born. Oh my God, what a story. He's so, so blessed to have you as a parent. Such an incredible gift. Okay, before we keep going, let's just take a quick ad break. I get so much joy from giving gifts during the holidays, but overspending on all those gifts? Not so much. Why spend more than you have to? Finding the lowest price is easy if you have Honey. Honey is a free browser extension that automatically finds the best promo codes whenever you shop online. Honey supports over 20,000 stores online like Amazon, J. Crew, Sephora, Target, and on and on and on. And Honey has found it's over 10 million members, over a billion dollars in savings. Last week was Halloween, so I went on to Target site because, you know, I can never get enough of Target. And I was looking for some costumes for my girls. One wanted a Descendants costume, one wanted these new cat ears. And when I went to checkout, Honey did all the work to find any coupon codes or discounts that were available. And I ended up saving over $15, which I could then use to buy more candy for the kids in the neighborhood. And okay, I may have had one too many Swizzlers. But anyway, Honey is super cool, super easy. Definitely go ahead, try it out. If you're buying 
buying gifts for the holiday season, then you need honey. If you're not, you probably know someone who is, so then do them a solid and tell them about honey. Honey can help you make sure that you're getting the best price for whatever you're buying. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash dreamjob. That's joinhoney.com slash dreamjob. One thing I've learned as an entrepreneur is that if you don't know your numbers, then you don't know your business. But it's hard to keep track of everything when you have separate systems for sales, accounting, inventory. It just ends up being a huge mess and you spend so much time and energy trying to figure it out. Thankfully, there's NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. NetSuite manages sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone, so you can save time and money and save yourself from those unnecessary headaches. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system, and right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash dreamjob. That's netsuite.com slash dreamjob to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash dreamjob. I love this story so much. So at what point did you quit that job at Walmart? I still was working at Walmart. So this is now my fifth book. Uh, I've given 200 speeches. How can that be? Come on. How can that be? I know. I know. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And this is something that I think will be helpful. Maybe some of your listeners is that I had an East Indian upbringing. I told you it was all about studying hard, getting good grades, and becoming a doctor. And if you weren't going to become a doctor, it got to be something professional. And if you weren't going to be something professional, at least got to have a salary. Oh. You've heard that Nassim Taleb quote, right? The three most addictive things in society are heroin, sugar, and a monthly salary. So I was addicted to it. I, somebody paid for my dentist bill. I had a place to go. If I, didn't, if I was sick, I still got. So I was still struggling with the idea that maybe this thing is just a blip. It's a 50 minutes of fame. You know, I'll, everything will peter out and I still got to keep my day job. But here's what happened. I think of time as a three bucket model. Uh, a week has 168 hours in it. If you divide it by three, it's 56, 56, and 56. They tell you to sleep eight hours a night. If you do, guess what? It's a 56-hour bucket. Well, how much do you work? Most people will say, I work about 56 hours. It's a 40-hour-week job. I commute. I got emails at home, blah, blah, blah. 56 hours. Those two buckets pay for, justify, and create your third bucket, which I like to call your fun bucket, your anything-you-want bucket. And for the 10 years I was working at Walmart, for eight of those years, I was doing all my writing, speaking, talking about awesome things, giving a TED Talks, blah, blah, blah. This was on the side. And then oh, we, we, my God. That's amazing. It's you amazing and because it, but it was weird. It was like it's literally like on Friday night at five, I'd like take off from Walmart. I'd like go to the airport, rush to San Francisco to give a keynote speech. It was kind of like living two lives. But when Leslie and I had kids – it suddenly became a bucket, <laughs> taking care of children. I'm like, oh, my work bucket, the middle bucket, the long bucket has to be either Walmart or it has to be my vocation, my art, right? For me, that was the writing and speaking stuff. So I called up an old mentor, uh, CEO of Walmart, who I used to work for, and I said, Dave, how do I make this decision? What should I do? And he said, Neil, ask yourself two questions. Number one, the deathbed question. Which of the two options will you regret not doing more right. on your deathbed? Which could you not live with? And I was like, oh, definitely the writing thing. Like if I get all the way into my life and I never really did, I never leaned into it, then I'd be like, well, what could have happened? So that was an easy answer. The harder part was the second question, which is what I like to call the plan B question. He's like, so uh, if you do the writing thing, then what are you going to do if it fails? How will you be? And I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll have to like dust off my LinkedIn profile and like start like asking a million people for coffee. He's like, yeah, you think you'd do that? I was like, yeah, I could do that. He's like, do you think you maybe could get something? I'm like, I don't know, but I think I probably could. And he's like, so those are the two questions. And if you can mentally satisfy both of those, there's no other questions to ask yourself. Those two things gave me peace of mind to finally make that leap in 2016. And now I'm doing what I'm doing full time. Amazing. So good. So good. Okay. So you talked a little bit about how you wrote um, a book for Hudson. Can we just talk a little bit about those nine secrets in the happiness equation? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, here's the thing about happiness. The biggest thing of all, the thing that it was kind of like the mess up thing for me as a kid is that I had to finally come to terms with the fact that my parents lied to me. Because <laughs> they said to me when I was a kid, Neil, if you do great work, then you will have big success, okay, big success, and then you will be happy. And if you can kind of picture that model, it's like great work leads to big success, 
leads to being happy. It's not just my parents. It's all of our parents. The thing is, after I went through those 300 positive psychology studies in the library, I realized, wait a minute, they all say the opposite. They all say that those exact six words I just mentioned go the opposite way. We actually need to be happy first, and then we do great work, and then the big success follows. When you start with happiness, when you prime your brain for positivity in the morning, guess what? Productivity is up 31%. Sales are up 37%. Creativity is up 300%. You get your 40% more likely to get a promotion. Like anything you can measure is that people listen to your show because you're happy. You want to be around them. So you do better work yourself. And then the big success comes later. Two kinds of success. I mentioned the career success already, but also you live longer. (laughs) This is cool. The average lifespan (laughs) in the States right now is 30,000 days. If you're happy, according to the Nunn study at, at the University of Kentucky, you live another 10 years. That's 10 years more than sunsets bowls ice cream and kissing your kids goodnight. So if you get how tiny and short and infinitesimally small this life is, it's the best way to get more of it, you know, is to be happy first. So that's the underpinning thesis of the whole happiness. So good. I'm jumping around a little because it relates to something you just said, but in the upcoming book, you have this like two minute morning practice that helps you eliminate worry. And because you just said it's great to prime yourself in the morning, Can you tell us what that two-minute morning practice is? Sure. So here's the thing. Last night I gave a speech, and I asked everyone, put up your hand if you sleep in the same room as your cell phone. I'm not kidding. I'd say 98% of hands went up. There's a lot of people I know that it's like in their bed. like It's like their teddy bear, you know? Here's the thing. When we look at our phones first thing in the morning, we are giving someone else permission to scramble our fresh thoughts for the day. It takes us in the direction they want to go, right? So I advocate in You Are Awesome, and you're mentioning a two-minute morning practice that actually strengthens your mind for the day. All you do is grab a note card or a piece of paper or a journal, whatever you use, and you write down three prompts. Number one prompt is, I will let go of. Ooh, so good. Number two prompt is, I am grateful for. And the number three prompt is, I will focus on. Yeah, so good. So I will let go of actually allows you to crystallize and extricate the thing you're worried about. You and I both have book launches. Guess what we're worried about? Amazon rankings. I will let go of my Amazon ranking. I will let go of the five pounds I gained over the holidays, you know? And according to a research study in Science Magazine called Don't Look Back in Anger, when you minimize regrets as you age, you increase your happiness and your contentment. So it's just such a powerful tool to just let go of something so it doesn't swim subconsciously in your mind all day. Yeah. I am grateful for is based on research from Emmons and McCullough that if you write down five specific things you're grateful for a week, you're not only be happier, you'll be physically healthier over a 10 week period. Wow. It's huge. It's gigantic. And they have to be specific. You can't just say like family and dog, family and dog. No, you got to say when my husband put the toilet seat down, when I got this special like cookie from my neighbor, it has to be specific. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will focus on the number one thing that we're all suffering from today is, I would argue, decision fatigue. We have too many decisions to make. The average person makes 300 decisions a day. The thing about decision-making energy is that it's actually a finite resource. So when you're done, there's only two ways to replenish it. You have to either sleep or inject glucose into your body, which means any food that turns into glucose. So I will focus on carbs a to-do list from your to-do list. It Mm -hmm. carves a a will-do list from your could-do list. And at the end of the day, you just cross off one thing. So you feel like you got something done. I love it. God, you guys, you have to get this new book. You don't understand. You're going to love it. And I mean, he just gave you one tiny piece. We're going to go back to this book in a second, but I want to talk about your Audible original. It's called How to Get Back Up. And in this story, you're talking about failure and resilience Can you just tell us a little bit about how maybe those of us who are listening can find that internal strength after a major setback or heartbreak? Sure. So one little metaphor I'd like to use is my mom's story. And my mom was born uh, the fifth girl uh, in a family of East Indian uh, descent in East Africa when everyone was praying for a boy. She was ushered into an arranged marriage to my dad, who she had met once before. I mean, she saw him for the second time ever on their wedding day. And then he brought her over to Canada where she had no friends or family at all. And then I talked to her as I was growing up and I was like, how'd you do that? And she was like, oh, I just told myself like, I don't know this man yet, or I don't know Canada yet. 
She turned a period at the end of her sentence into something I would call like an ellipsis, a dot, dot, dot. And I think to myself about this, how we talk to ourselves. You don't get the promotion. You think, oh, I'm not a manager. Something sucks at work. You're like, I'm not creative. You get a bad health test from your doctor. You're like, I don't take care of myself. Now imagine those three sentences with the word yet at the end of it. I'm not creative yet. Totally different. Right? The way I define resilience or the, the, the word of getting back up is the ability to see the tiny sliver of light right between the door and the frame after you hear the latch click. Wow. Because if you hear a latch click in your life, you think things are over. Mm. But if you can see that little sliver of light, you know so there might be some forward future you can work toward or think about or see beyond. We all have a tendency to see today as the end of our history. And this is a study I stumbled upon from Daniel Gilbert at Harvard University. They interviewed 19,000 people. They asked them all, hey, what were the last 10 years of your life like? And guess what? All 19,000 people painted a tempestuous portrait of the ups and downs and swerves and sweeves. And, you know, I, I dated this guy and then this guy. And we got divorced and I got this promotion, whatever. And then they said, well, what do you think the next 10 years will be like? And every single one of those 19,000 people were like, oh, it'll be the same as I am now. I'll definitely still be living in Boulder, Colorado. I for sure will be at the same company. And me and Tony for sure will be together forever. Yeah. We are horrible at predicting the future. We can't predict it. So the number one takeaway when it comes to this idea of recovering from loss or adding that word yet is, can you see it as a step? Yeah. Let's just move through the book a little bit. You are awesome. How to navigate change, wrestle with failure and live an intentional life, which comes out November 5th. So talk about why every commencement speech gets it wrong. Oh, okay. This one is a good, this is a good one. You listen to any commencement speech, um, they kind of say the same sort of thing. You know, sort of like follow your heart, chase your dreams, do what you love. That feels great. And everyone tosses their cap in the air and, you know, goes and celebrates. They unfurl their piece of paper and put it in a frame. The problem is there's a bigger question that we're not asking each other, which is this. Do you love it so much you can take the pain and the punishment too? The reason I wrote a book called You Are Awesome about resilience is because I think that it's actually the muscle that we have the weakest right now in society. We got it so good right now. You can press a button and get a car that drives you home and have a ticket on your front porch. No one's getting shipped off to war. You, don't, you didn't live through a famine. So now we've lost the musculature of how to deal with failure. The reason follow your heart and chase your dreams is a bit of bad advice is because as soon as you hit the first stumbling block on the way to doing that, you quit. Yep. Like we're too thin skinned. So do you love it so much you can take the pain and punishment too is inviting you to contemplate what pain and punishment may be along the path you're taking. Mark Manson, who wrote the most popular self-help book of like all time, Subtle Art Not Giving, right? He said in an interview that he actually wanted to be a, a musician, but the pain of carrying amps to smoky clubs at two in the morning on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. that pain and punishment was not worth it to him. Yep. Whereas the pain and punishment to becoming a fantastic writer, like getting into Facebook comment wars and like that kind of stuff, he loved that. Well, that pain and punishment was necessary to get to where he is now, but it, it was pain amazing. and punishment it was worth for him. Amazing. Do you love it so much you can take the pain and punishment along the way? Okay. One more thing from the book, which you guys have to get. You talk about the three ways to dramatically accelerate your ability to learn and to adapt. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes, exactly. Okay. So number one thing you need to do is go to parties where you don't know anybody. When we do one thing over and over again, we just get good at that one thing and we become fragile towards other things. So what is going to parties where you don't know anybody do? Well, it creates black swan opportunities for you to talk about anything you want, new people, new things. You meet interesting people in interesting places. That's the first thing. Second thing is you got to have a weird hobby. You got to be like putting yourself in situations where your learning rate is dramatically steep because you know nothing about it. A famous study came out that shows that Nobel Prize winners are 22 times more likely to have an unconventional side hobby that they suck at compared to other scientists. So fascinating. Or like, right? So it's cool. Your learning rate is the steepest when you know the least. And the third one I wanted to mention is have a failure budget. On January 1st of every year, my wife Leslie and I move a set amount of money from our joint accounts to our personal accounts set them out every year to spend by the end of the year on 
totally random failures. There's so much stuff you can do if you have no pressure for it to be successful. Taking a cooking class, going to a music festival with a friend that you don't know if you're going to like. Um, so good. My podcast actually is money from my failure budget. So my podcast, Three Books, is literally me like, I don't know if I can do this, but I want to talk to interesting people about books. So I'm going to like fly around the world talking to people about books. And yeah, I'm going to... It just wound up being one of Apple's best of 2018 podcasts. And you've had incredible humans on the show like Malcolm Gladwell and David Sedaris, but no big thing. No big deal. <laughs> but it, honestly, the funny thing is when you said all that, but I, it's actually like a loss for me. You know what I mean? Like it's a financial negative, but that's okay. It is so good. It's because you're so fun to listen to. Starring future guest, Kathy Heller. Oh, it's so sweet. No, it's really, really good. That's so awesome. So... This new book, you are awesome. What impact are you hoping it makes on readers? So I believe right now, the reason that we have anxiety rates spiking by 30%, this is from Dr. Jean Twenge at San Diego University, mental illness rates spiking, suicide rates extremely high, uh, loneliness rates doubling since the 1980s. We are living in the best time ever to be alive, and yet we feel the worst. We are thin-skinned. We are anxious. We are lonely. We are often depressed. The impact I hope that this book makes is to help some people. Doesn't it gotta be many? Just some people feel better about themselves. I called it "You Are Awesome" because I want to remind people that you know what? You really are awesome. We just need a few directional arrows to get us back on track whenever life deals us a blow. So this is just a book full of nine arrows. So good. It just feels so true. Like there's no grace for like, oh, let me allow myself to be messy or to figure it out. It's like, oh, I guess I'm just horrible. It's like, well, Mozart wasn't born in that way. And there's just this sense of like, well, if it doesn't happen easily and fast, then it's, it's a no. And um, one of the biggest things I'm curious, a lot of our audience um, are struggling with is, is trying to figure out what their thing is. What's your advice for people on how to get clarity on what they're put here to do in the world? Yeah, I think there's three tests you can do on yourself. And I do these tests on myself every single year. This is a chapter from, I wrote in the happiness equation. Number one is the Saturday morning test. It's answering a question, which is, what do you do on a Saturday morning where you have actually nothing to do? Where does your natural interest mm. lead you? And if somebody says, oh, I like play guitar, brainstorm wildly off of that. Could you be a ukulele importer to use the same example I used earlier? Could you teach guitar lessons? I mean, people are like an accountant in an office. They're like, I never thought of teaching guitar lessons. But then you're like, what do you do in spare time? You're like, all I do is play guitar. You're like, oh, it's, it's what you do on Saturday morning tells you a little bit more about who you are. Second test is called the five people test. Take a look at who you are surrounding yourself by. It's based on a theory from a book called Connected uh, by, I believe, Fowler. And it uh, turns out that you are literally, according to the research, the average of the five people around you. You're the average of their, like literally their height. If they, if they smoke, you smoke. If they don't, you don't. You're the average of, like you're the average of them. So if you look around and you're like, wait a minute, every single one I'm surrounded by, they're all doing X. It might tip you off in a way that is a little bit more reflective than looking from your brain out. You can see from outside in what you might be interested in. You are who you are surrounded by. And then the third test, of course, I like to give people is called the bench test. This is based on my buddy, Fred, who got into like, he's super smart. And he got into like a several Ivy League schools. And I asked him, so what'd you do? How'd you decide between like, I don't know, Harvard, Yale and Princeton, Fred? You're a smart guy. What'd you do? Get the campus tour? And he's like, no, I drove to each campus and I sat down on a bench by myself patiently and quietly listening to the conversations around me, asking myself a deeper question, which is, do I fit into these conversations? Figuring that 90% of my time at college will be having conversations like this. Yeah. And that bench test, that subtle, small immersion is so important. And you know what, Kathy, we don't do this on a job interview. You don't ever say, can you give me a tour of the office when you're going to buy a house? We don't do the sidewalk test, which means walk around the neighborhood. How far is it to the park? Yeah. Just bench test it, test it. So first. good. So good. Okay, before we keep going, let's just take a quick ad break. 
Okay, this episode is also sponsored by my book. When does my book come out? Next week. It comes out next Tuesday, and this week means everything to us. If you go ahead and pre-order two copies, meaning you already bought a copy and you're going to buy one more for a friend, for a coworker, for a family member, as long as you buy two copies of the book, go ahead and let us know. You can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com slash bonus and let us know that you bought two copies. When you do, you're going to get my free workshop next Monday. It's a two-hour live session, plus you get an additional 90-minute session with me live. It's an Ask Me Anything. We will go over any questions you have about life, business, anything you want to talk about. That'll be the time just for you guys. And not only that, but you will be entered into a giveaway. I will be giving away a full scholarship to my retreat. In addition, if you want to do a one-on-one coaching session with me, I normally don't offer those at all. We'll be offering those up until book launch. So there's one more week to book those sessions, which I never do. If you want to get a one-on-one session, just DM me on Instagram or email us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and we will send you back the info on how to get a one-on-one session. If you want to come to the retreat that I'm doing in December and in, in case you don't win the raffle to come for free, then go ahead and message me and you can get all the details on how many books you need to buy in order to come for the retreat. And let me just tell you, if you win a free ride to the retreat, not only do you get to come to the retreat, I will also give you a stipend towards your airfare. So it's doubly sweet. This is one of the best offers we've ever done. So go ahead and buy the two books so you'll be entered into this raffle and check out my Instagram today for more details on that. Okay, a couple more things. People are going to want to know also just from the standpoint of how you built everything, like what do you think makes a blog so successful? Why do you think your books have been so successful? Why do you think your speaking is so successful? So what do you think is the recipe of what's built your personal career of being a writer and speaker? What's the DNA of all of that? Two lessons to share that apply to this. Number one is we are used to looking at successful people as a product of a series of successes. Everything you just quoted and have quoted throughout the show, you and I both are literally my best things. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But what you haven't quoted and what I haven't said to you, but I easily could right now in two seconds, is my worst things, my sucky things, my things that didn't take off. And guess what? I got way more stuff that sucked right. than the five things we've been talking about that were hits. The thesis there is the principle is lose more to win more. And I'll give you an example in sports. Everyone on TV is like, oh, Tom Brady is the most Super Bowl wins of any modern day currently playing quarterback. I'm like, yeah, he's also got the most Super Bowl losses. You know what I'm saying? He's got the most complete passes, most incomplete passes. So if you ever ask a wedding photographer, how do you take so many good pictures? They always say the same thing. Oh, I took a thousand that's why I got 50 good ones. I took 1,000 pictures. 950 of them were garbage. Lose more to win more. That's the first principle. Second principle that I want to share with everybody is find small pawns. Okay. When I was first asked to be a professional speaker after my first book came out, they told me how much money they wanted people to pay for me to speak. And I was like, what the heck? That sounds way too high. And they were like, I was like, who else speaks in that range? And they're like, oh, New York Times bestselling author, you know, gold medal winning Olympian. So I was like, well, who's at the bottom rung? Who's in the cheapest category? Put me there. So guess what happened? I was put in boardrooms of 50 people instead of Vegas casinos of 1,000. Based on the research came out in 1984 about small ponds, where the phrase came from. The question in the research is, is it better to be a big fish in a small pond, even if you do not learn how to swim as well? The answer of the research is, yes, it is. Your academic self-concept or how you think about yourself increases for up to 10 years after you leave the pond. This means that different is better than better. You look at my successes, you think it's, oh, this guy's awesome. No, no, I just did something different. The book of awesome, it was just different. When you saw my book at the table at Urban Outfitters, 19 out of the 20 books were negative. I was the only positive one at the time. You know what I mean? So it was just different. Be a big fish in a small pond and lose more to win more. Those are two ways to get more success. So good. So good. My brain is just like lighting up like these are such good concepts. I'm like, you're helping me shift. I love when I'm having a conversation with someone and I feel like I just saw the world a whole new way. So thank you so much. Okay, and the last question is, what are your three books? Uh, Well, I'm going to give you one of them, and I'll tell you why I'm going to give you one. Because I'm actually saving – so I publish every chapter of three books on the exact minute of every new moon and full moon. So in order to get 1,000 books, which is 333 episodes, I have to do my show all the way up to September 1st, 5.52 a.m., 2031. 
So I'm planning to do this till I'm, I started in my 30s. I'll be finishing it in my 50s. Okay, it's a 15-year project. Beautiful. Why do I mention that? Because I was hoping that my three books would be like the last episode. <laughs> so let me give you one. The Babysitter's Club. Why is the Babysitter's Club treasuries, the treasuries, not the babies, not Christy's great idea, but the treasuries, where they all go to Disney World? <laughs> when they all go to Disney World, guess what? Christy writes one chapter. Claudia writes one chapter. Marianne Dying. writes one chapter. Dying. This cannot be what you're saying. Oh, yeah. I stole it off my sister's bookshelf. I'll tell you why that book was formative to me because I was like, wait a minute. One pr- I remember keep looking at the front of the book. I was like, Anne M. Martin. But, but I was like, every chapter sounds like a different person. And that was the big aha. I was like, I didn't realize an author could actually inhabit another voice. I always thought the voice I was reading in a book was the author. Do you know what I mean? So when I read the book, that was like every chapter was like one girl's perspective of the same trip totally opened my eyes and now these days if you read my blog or my book or this other thing i did it's like they're in different voices and i find that really interesting to explore you they all say find your voice they never say find your voices but in this case i think finding your voices is more important and find the fact that you can be multiple voices you are probably a different person on this podcast than you are at the dinner table than you are at a stage do you know what i'm saying a little bit because you are finding your voices you're the best best ever um tell us where we can find you tell us where we can find your book all the things my whole thing's at neil.blog, N-E-I-L.blog. And since we're at the end of the podcast, Kathy, can I just say, I love people who listen to the end of any podcast. You're listening to this. So if you happen to have resonated with something, drop me a line. It's just neil at globalhappiness.org. I would only ever say my email address at the very end of the podcast because you made it. Just email me. Worst case scenario, I miss it and don't reply. That's the worst case scenario. Best case uh. scenario is we have a fun little exchange, which I like to do. Well, everything about you is fun. And... I'm just like so happy for you and the family and everything that you're doing and all these people in the world who get to be happier because you put really good things in the world. Thank you for every, all of it. I loved it the best. Oh my gosh, that was just so good. Here are some takeaways. Number one, when you're at a crossroads, ask yourself the deathbed question and the plan B question. Which of the options would you regret more? What would you do if the first idea fails? Number two, be happy first, then do great work. The big success follows. Number three, start your morning with three prompts. What will you let go of? What are you grateful for? And what will you focus on? Number four, when something hasn't gone your way, add yet at the end. Recognize the tiny sliver of light between the door and the frame after you hear the latch click. Number five, go to a party where you don't know anyone. Pick up a weird hobby. Start a failure budget. There's so much you can do when you step outside your comfort zone without the pressure to be successful. Number six, lose more to win more. And number seven, you can become the big fish in a small pond. Different is better than better. You guys are so awesome. I'm so, so, so grateful that you take the time out of your life to listen to the show. Yesterday at the retreat, we had Lily Pettit here and we were doing breath work and I was crying so hard. You know, when you do this breath work, all this stuff comes up and you you let go and you're not, no longer in your head and you sort of like let it all out, whatever's there. And so much stuff came up for me. But one thing that came up was just like all this love that I don't always take in and how grateful I am to have all of you in my life and just really and truly like, thank you for cheering for me. I'm cheering for you right back. You are the sweetest community and I love you so much. Please make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen and let us know what you think of it. Leave us a rating and a review. If this episode spoke to your soul, if it opened your eyes to something new, if it reminded you of something you needed to hear, then please share it with a friend or share whichever episode really resonates the most with you with a friend. And truly, right now, this week is more crucial than any other week we've had on this show. If you want to do something for me, if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't bought a book, go ahead to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com right now and buy a copy of my book. And if you already bought one copy, buy another copy. Buy it for someone you can give it to as a gift for Christmas or Hanukkah. Buy it for someone who you work with. Buy it for a sister or a brother or a best friend. If you guys buy the two copies, you do get that bonus workshop I am doing next Monday. It's a two-hour live workshop on how to build the dream, how to quit your day job, how to really scale what it is you want to do in this world. And have you taken the quiz? If you haven't yet taken the quiz we made, head on over to my Instagram bio. It is the link in the show notes. You can go ahead and click on that and take this cool quiz and find out what is your career archetype? Are you best suited to be a teacher, a curator, the maker, the investigator? What 
kind of jobs do each of those archetypes really fall into best? It's a super cool quiz and I'd love to know if you guys have taken it. So go ahead and click the link in the Instagram bio. I will leave you with a song of mine and I will talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.